We would first like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to the Women and Wildlife podcast. You're joined by your co-hosts, Eliza and Maddie, so get ready to delve into all things women, wildlife, and gender equality in STEM. Hey, Lars, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, but most importantly, how are you going with a new role? We haven't really caught up um, since you've started your new role, so congratulations. But yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's been really good. So um, for, so for those of you listening, I just started a secondment role. Um, I'm with the city of Casey, so I usually am a field officer um, in the site remediation team, but I've picked up a secondment for three months with the sustainability team uh, as an environmental planner. So really different to what I've been doing, but super, super interesting. Um, yeah, a lot of learning. So it's getting my brain going and I'm really, really enjoying it. But yeah, it's been really good. How about you, Lars? Anything new happening in your life? Yeah, that no, all sounds so exciting. I'm really keen to see what you do in that role and all your updates. Um, I feel like we're both very in sync at the moment. We've both been moving into our first home. So we're both very much on sync on our busy weekends. So that's sort of been taking up a bit of time. So- we both picked out the same furniture. Yeah, literally. But like shocking. Um <laughs> we're too in sync at the moment. Um but yeah, I've moved down to Phillip Island, so somewhere with lots of beautiful wildlife. Been keen to yes, go out and see the penguins tonight. And I went and yeah, did a lot of koala spotting today. So somewhere that wildlife is everywhere, which is kind of exactly where I'd love to be. Um but apart from that, I've been doing a bit of wombatty stuff for my PhD. Um yeah, just going out and treating some wombats with mange and sort of planning my uh, field work for my PhD. So that's been really fun. But you and I also went to Sydney um, last week. So Women in Wildlife were, um, someone reached out to us from the Leadership Institute um, to partner with them to bring the Women's Leadership Institute, um, which was in Sydney last week. And Pretty much, yeah, we were very overwhelmed. I think yeah. um, a huge room of, yeah, the top CEOs in Australia and even overseas, um, not really specific to wildlife, but just in business, uh, both, I think, more science-minded, Maddie and I, so I think learning yeah. a bit more about business. It's very um, businessy, but it was, it was really cool. It was really interesting, just so many inspiring women and just a lot of good. I, I feel like, yeah, we both took a lot out of it in more of a, yeah, I'm a woman, I'm going to get, like, shit done kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, like, it was, I know it was just really cool. I really liked it. It was both very, you know, both very out of our comfort zones. I certainly was wearing really nice clothes and not work boots for once, so that was fun. But no, it was really good. I really liked it. Yeah, it definitely felt out of place in our little corporate, um, <laughs> not in khaki. <laughs> and that was definitely something a bit different. But yeah, I think we came back with lots of ideas for women and wildlife. So very keen to get a few more uh, things in action and a bit more advice, sort of on the business side, which. Um, we don't just have as much experience in but um yeah no super excited to have been invited yeah keep your eyes peeled everyone for some new exciting stuff coming up we'll, if mm. in our life hopefully soon we'll see how we go with our planning but we've got a lot of exciting ideas coming so yeah it's good but, yeah so let's get into the episode so today's episode was with um ollie pitt do you want to introduce lies yeah, so Ollie is a marine biologist. She worked at the Australian Seabird and Turtle Rescue uh, for a long time, and she was the general manager there. 
So the Australian Seabird and Turtle Rescue are a rescue, rehab and release organisation. So they do lots of turtles um, and seabirds and sea snakes. So yeah, we were lucky enough to listen to her today. Yeah, we also touched on some really important topics, including mental health within the wildlife industry, which is a really important conversation. And we're really lucky enough that Ollie was super open to talk about that. So yeah, I guess let's get into it. Thanks, guys. So today we've got Ollie Pitt joining us. Um, Ollie's a marine biologist and worked at the Australian Seabird and Turtle um, Rescue in here in Australia for the best part of the last 10 years and was the general manager for a good chunk of that as well. So we're very keen to have a chat with Ollie today. So welcome, Ollie. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here today. We and Eliza were both talking before we started this podcast about um, how we met in Byron. And we were just like, oh, that was so random. We just like didn't even, yeah, it was just so cool. Like, wow, that was so long ago. Yeah. It feels like an actual lifetime ago. And I remember when you guys were, you know, first launching Women in Wildlife and I popped on the page and I was like, oh, I am so here for this. And I got so excited when you guys were like, oh, you know, we're in Byron. Do you mind if we pop through to the hospital? I was like, out of anyone in the world, you chicks can definitely come to the turtle hospital for sure. It's definitely, yeah, something I've been wanting to check out for ages. So it was awesome to be shown through. But yeah, it definitely feels like a long time ago now. And Maddie wasn't even part of the team. Then it was actually that trip that at the end of the trip, I was like, Maddie, will you come on and actually um, help with women in wildlife? So I feel like it's just a whole. And I don't think. It's just a full circle, full circle. Yeah, a lot. I don't think you told me that we're going there. And you're like, oh, it's okay if we go there, like right before we um go to our combination. I was like, oh, okay, sure. And I was like, like one of the highlights of the trip, other than getting yeah. all the diving and stuff. But I was like, that was really cool. Don't mind Great me. Just, um, do you mind if we just pop into a CSC Total Hospital? Yeah, I was like, oh, no big deal. Oh, if I have to, if I have to. Yeah, dragged along. So good. All right, well, let's jump into the questions, I reckon. So first question is just what you're currently doing, like job-wise, um, life-wise. Just, yeah, where are you at in life at the moment? Oh, man, I'm doing nothing. <laughs> it's great. Now, I'm pouring some beers at the moment. I decided um, once I resigned from Seabird Rescue, uh, gosh, nine months ago now, that I was going to take a massive break away from the industry. I felt it was really important to do that, um, not only uh, for Seabird Rescue, but for my own mental health as well. So um, I moved all the way down south on the south coast of New South Wales, and I just decided that I'm going to get my head right, get active, and um, just work a job where I don't really have to think. And I'm currently working for the biggest legends. They're so nice to me. They treat me so well, and all I have to do is pour some beers in return. So it's great. I've loved that. How long ago did you, like only recently? Yeah, so um, I was in Byron for about 12 years and then I moved down here about six months ago and um, it's beautiful. It's a great part of the world. I'm seeing some of the most magical places and coastline and um, however, I feel like after taking this break now that there's this new kind of fire in my belly and I'm ready to get back into it and um it's kind of funny too because when 
I say I take a break from wildlife. I'm still out there jumping on pelicans and rescuing them. So <laughs> it's not so much a break. It's uh, quite addictive being in the wildlife game. Oh, so you really take a break once you start it, can you? Oh, I know, I know. And then, <laughs> but yeah, so I've, I've definitely um, feeling like I need to get back into it. So maybe a move back home next year might be on the cards, but I'm not sure yet. That's cool. I kind of like how you don't really know exactly what you're doing. You're just going with the flow. Yeah. <laughs> Great. This is like the first time in my life where I've, had, where I've done this. So, because I've been so on the go and just, you know, work, 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 work. And um, if it wasn't work, it was uni. So, yeah, this has been very, very big change. And I haven't really known how to handle that at times. Like my emotions have definitely got the better of me. Um, but now I'm on the other side of that. I really feel yeah it's it's time to get going and get back into it did you find at the start you just didn't know what to do with your time like how did you go from doing so much and then not, <laughs> like, not feeling like you had to be busy busy like productive it, it was so daunting and um I really put seabird rescue before anything else in my life at for those oh well I was part of the organization for nine years um but I managed it um, assistant manager and then general manager for seven, six or seven of those years. And so I made it my identity and mm -hmm. in doing so leaving that I lost everything about myself and it was incredibly hard. I was breaking down and, you know, I'm not really an emotional person. I don't really like to show my emotions. I don't wear my heart on my sleeve or anything like that. Um, but this time I had to, I had no choice. I felt that this was the only way I was going to get through it. And um, when, and in doing so, yeah, I found myself again. It's been really, really rewarding. It's been a journey and um, yeah, I can highly recommend for people that are going to do such a role to not make it your whole life and <laughs> don't make it your identity and don't know that there's other things out there that, um, make you who you are mm. yeah absolutely um yeah and just really especially in wildlife I think because we're so passionate about it like it really isn't just a job I think there's definitely yeah. those lines especially when your interests are in wildlife and on the weekends you know you might be diving with turtles and trying to find turtles in the wild and obviously can't really switch off that brain if you've been looking after sick turtles for yeah for well that's exactly what was happening and um you know there were no days off. You were, you're 24 seven essentially. So uh, the, and that's, you put it, I couldn't have said it better myself. So like on the times that we did get off, like me and Kelsey, um, you guys would have met Kelsey as well. She's my best friend slash assistant. And, you know, the minute we could go for a dive, we did and we went and found healthy turtles. And yeah, so we were just engulfed in that turtle world. And um, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty fun. It was fun at the time. Absolutely. And you obviously mentioned a little bit about um, sort of, you know, needing to take that break and things, but are you able to delve in a little bit deeper on exactly why um, and how you sort of came to that decision? Yeah, absolutely. So Seabird Rescue, like I said, uh, I was a part of that organisation for so long and I absolutely to this day adore that organisation. I think that it is one of the most beautiful creations that has ever come into existence when it comes to wildlife. And the people, the volunteers there are really just, they're all so different. And they and the best thing about Seabird Rescue is that anyone was able to volunteer there. So it was, you were able to create a community out of 
people that have gone through so many different struggles and come in from so many different walks of life. So uh, you then after a while though, and working so hard, you do burn out and I did burn out and I took a holiday and I came back and I thought that that was enough. And it turns out it wasn't. And there were some people on the committee that I stopped seeing eye to eye with and it became a very, I don't like to use the word toxic as much, but I think that that's the only way I can explain it. It became toxic in a way where we we had different values on wildlife or what that meant where a uh, scenario, I'm not going to say names or anything like that because uh, defamation, <laughs> um, but where those values kind of weren't aligning was I was prepared to spend money on the benefit of animal transport if I think that this animal could have had better care at a different facility, which is which sometimes can happen. We can only do so much. And when I'm being questioned about $100, let's say, and in the same sentence saying I can go buy an $800 vacuum, that's where my values were being quite uh, that's where I think the difference was there so then that was starting to happen more and more often and I was feeling that my commitment to the organization couldn't be what it should be and I became very upset by that I was losing weight I was becoming unhealthy I found a photo of myself and it's so ironic because I'm cuddling a pelican that's cuddling me back and it but I'm grey and unhealthy and it just goes to show that you put so much of yourself into what you're doing that you forget about everything else. So then, yeah, um, I came to the decision to resign and after that, that's how I came to say, okay, it's time to take a good break, um, go reflect on everything that you've done and all that you've achieved and then get back into it and that's pretty much the story of how that goes. Yeah, I just, yeah, I feel like it would just be so hard to not make it your whole life, like what we touched on before. I just, yeah, kudos to you for, like, recognising that you needed to step back and, yeah, before it got even worse. So, yeah. Kudos. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> kind of hard to explain. And I think as well we put so much pressure on um, women, especially in science and stuff, saying, you're never going to get a job in that field. Why are you doing that? There's no work there. I mean, absolutely there is so you've got this thing in the back of your head going oh I'll never get another job this is as far as I'm going to get seabird rescue is all that you are that's all that you're going to be and if you don't have this your marine biology career is over and that's just simply not true and but but it's there and that's and that's why you know I've done a few career panels as well with the unis to really encourage people and say don't give up just keep going you know like this is the best industry like and you can make it and yeah it's um but yeah it is hard it is hard to really step away yeah absolutely and I think um back even in zoos I've worked at when there's sort of issues within yeah I guess committees and management and stuff like that you just get so invested in the animals and their welfare and everything I just yeah awful but I had a friend that was sort of said um she hopes that she gets fired because she needs to leave for her mental health but she yet cares too much about the animals and I think, yeah, it is really unfortunate that it sort of gets to that stage where 
like yeah you need to be there for the animals and I feel like for yeah. your role in particular like you know you're so attached to the animals that you're saving and you're you know especially the turtles you have to have them for so long at <laughs> least yeah. and yeah it'd be really really hard to walk away oh yeah we had one turtle for uh a year once her name was Lord she was a loggerhead um oh she was a bitch I hated her she she was so mean she hated me too <laughs> but then it was like this little like I'm like oh okay well I kind of like you because you're mean and sassy and um yeah so I got super attached to her and um when she got when she was leaving that was definitely one of the releases where I had sunnies on and I was like <laughs> it's okay it's bittersweet it's bittersweet yeah, it would be so hard. I love the names too. I remember when we came and visited, uh, I think we met Hazelnut and you had the nut family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, God. so we used to do themes when naming our animals. Um, so yeah, we had like Hazelnut and Peanut and um, then we went on a Harry Potter train for a while. We went on a Star Wars train for a while. <laughs> we we went on a little like uh, fruits and um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> real mature, we are adults and <laughs> that's how we name our animals. No, I think that's so good. You've got to have some fun with it, I guess, right? <laughs> totally, totally. Oh, we did an Adam's Family one as well. We had like a bird called Thing and uh, <laughs> it was great. Good fun. No, I love that. Sorry, you kind of touched on it a bit already, but how do you think the wildlife industry is currently um like dealing with mental health and yeah can you walk through like how you think they're dealing with it what they should be doing like yeah. they're not dealing with it <laughs> they're in, to put it as simple as that they chuck some phone numbers up on a website and think that that's gonna be all right here you go oh it's free so just talk to them it's like no that's not actually addressing the issue we we all know what vets go through and um you know the the stats behind the suicide rates in um, the veterinary community and I think that that does get missed in the rehab community as well when you're dealing with so many animals and their deaths and uh, we we simply don't address it I don't have the answers of what to do next I know we can say just call someone keep talking talk 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 but I don't think that that's going to be good enough anymore and I think there needs to be a bigger conversation about it and um, yeah yeah so yeah. it's a hard it's a hard one to swallow because mm -hmm. uh, I know there's so many people out there that are trying to do good and uh, it's seen and uh, it's heard and I I think that I'm not trying to um, you know put criticism on that or anything like that I just think there needs yeah that conversation needs to be bigger and uh, yeah hopefully in the coming years we can keep talking about mental health and not make such a big deal about it I think you know in the way that I've been able to step away and actually say yeah I was, I was feeling low I was feeling hopeless I hope that this can perhaps reach someone that's feeling the same and know that you know there is another side to it there is the other side and you'll get through it and hopefully come out stronger yeah, yeah. and um yeah what sort of advice would you give for someone who was going through something similar that you're going through or just struggling with mental health within this industry like what would be yeah your top advice for them top advice would be to don't just make a phone call uh, do everything do all the steps but don't just make a phone call if you are struggling in a way that you no longer feel it's psychological and that it's chemical go to the doctor there are so many things that they can 
uh, prescribe or if you're not into that there is a herbal there's a herbal roots as well and I think that when you're really struggling like that that's that's going to be one of the top one of your top priorities is to actually go get some physical help and not just mental help absolutely and I think yeah obviously the huge emotional burden on you know vets and all your roles like yours and things that um, are paid roles but I think so many of the people that work in this space are volunteers and yeah that's a whole another sort of layer to it because they've got to go do their nine-to-five jobs and then come home and care for animals or yeah volunteer in their days off and I think yeah that's just huge and and it's overlooked it's so overlooked and you know there aren't a lot of paid roles so what do you do you you've got no choice you've got to do these things but I mean the best thing that you can do is surround yourself with a bunch of like-minded people and um you know have that friend group and that support and just show some kindness in this industry it I think you know there's a new there's a new era of uh, especially young women coming up and they're so supportive. They want to see you do well. They, and, you know, if you're having a bad day, they're going to come up to you. Well, I know if one of my mates is having a bad day or if they're crying, I'm probably going to go up and crack a joke, to be honest. It's not going to be, it's probably going to be pretty red hot. But, you know, these are the things that you're going to need to get through it and um, really to not feel so alone and know that, uh, you know, there's a lot of support out there. and. Um, yeah yeah just have some have some fun don't forget to laugh when something goes wrong for all vets for all rehabbers you know if an animal dies or you know something is so dramatic and uh, traumatic sorry not dramatic traumatic uh, I think that remember to feel everything you need to feel and then have a laugh go do something that's going to make you happy because at the end of the day you have done absolutely everything in your power for that animal and without you there was no hope so yeah there's these are these are the big sorts of discussions that I think that we need to start having and um yeah so thank you for asking these questions I think it's important thank you for being so open to answer them no that's okay oh of course but yeah so yeah very quite quite passionate about the mental health in this industry so because I've seen it not just in myself but in so many others and definitely having you being in you know a senior position and in a manager role and being a you know your volunteers and other people working especially particularly in your organization seeing you be brave enough to step away and recognize yeah that the mental health issues within the industry and having needing to take that break I think yeah is a really great role model thank you appreciate that what do you think like what point would you say to someone okay like you should probably step back like what what do you reckon is that point where they should step back obviously it'd be I feel like it'd be different depending on the person but like what was it for you that like really triggered and you're like okay this is like this is it yeah for me I think I didn't realize um that it was you know I needed to fix myself or anything like that what the main thing was that I started to notice my work towards the animals Mm. and it wasn't you know it was that that 95% rather than the 100%. And um, quite frankly, you need you need to be able to give 100%. There's no room to not give that 100% when you're working in the role that I was in. And so once I started to see that and that I wasn't giving it all to the animals, that's when I knew I had to leave. And I don't think you can ever tell someone to leave a role that they're passionate about. <sighs> it's very very hard I I think it's something that you need to figure out for yourself 
and um, step away that way. But I mean, there's so many jobs where you, you'll never have to step away. You could be in that role for 20 years and you're still there and you're loving it and you're keeping up and you're giving that 100% and it's great. Um, but yeah, so it's just a recognition within yourself that you know, okay, got to take a step back. Yeah, and I feel like there's also potentially opportunities like if you voice how you're feeling for the break to not be permanent, like it can be a temporary break a couple months or yeah, I'm sure most workplaces, not all workplaces, but <laughs> most these days I feel a bit more accommodating when it comes to that and usually yeah. try to work with you when it comes to those issues. But I guess you don't, you don't know until you ask and if you don't ask, you'll never know. So yeah exactly exactly uh for me there was no uh going back at that time and until there can be a changeover um I I wouldn't go back to that role I'm more than prepared to but um actually you know what there's there's a new manager there and I think he's kicking some really cool goals so uh props to this person and uh, I think god I'm just hoping that there's going to be some really cool outcomes coming from Seabird Rescue soon. I feel it in my gut that there's going to be some cool stuff happening. Speaking of like going next, what you're sort of thinking, obviously you mentioned wanting to get back into it a bit, but um, I did see you post something about wanting to do a post, you're starting your post grad. Can you tell us a bit about yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, this might be the stupidest thing I've ever done going back to uni. <laughs> what am I thinking? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I originally after I did my honours, on sea turtles I was going to continue and keep studying I wanted to do a PhD but then I landed the management role with seabird rescue and you can't you you simply can't do both Mm -hmm. and then so I kind of put that on the back end and um, once I started to feel a bit better and wanted research has always been my game that's all what I always wanted to do when I started realizing I wanted to do marine biology and seabird rescue just happened to be there and I worked you know worked really hard to get into that position but um that's the road I was taking anyway so since since that I was like oh yeah I'll just go do a PhD simple why not why not just just go sign up for a PhD it's no big deal it's fine it's not hard um and I was emailing some unis and looking for supervisors and it just wasn't really working out that way I wasn't finding someone that I wanted to work with anyway and then it dawned on me that I actually hadn't been at uni for like six years. <laughs> I hadn't studied for six years. And I was like, you really want to jump straight into a PhD, Ollie? You really want to do that? And so <laughs> I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'd never studied birds before, but birds now are the avenue I want to go down. And so I signed up for Charles Sturt University to do their um, Bachelor's Diploma of Ornithology which um I'm, which is next year I'm so so excited to get back into it and start using my brain again and uh the I think one of the funniest things that's going to happen though is that I am so biased towards seabirds like they're probably going to shove a lorikeet in my face and I'm gonna go <laughs> I don't care <laughs> and um but the main reason is I'm so so passionate about pelicans like I just love them and to be honest, there's not a lot of literature out there on the Australian pelican, which is so funny because they're so iconic. And I think that if we can start um, building up a good database and uh, some really, really fantastic literature on pelicans in Australia, 
it's going to open up a lot of avenues for more research and um yeah you'll just have to keep following to see where that goes yeah and I'm very keen to watch your path down there um I do remember you mentioning quite a while ago that you initially, when you started working in Australia's seabird uh, rescue, that you were much more interested in turtles than the seabirds. And it was sort of a bit of a later love that you developed. <laughs> uh, very much later. Way, 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 way later. I was like, oh, cute little baby turtles. This is so amazing. Um, I was petrified of birds. <laughs> petrified. Like, Funnily enough, I was on the phone the other day to uh, the old general manager, Katrina Southwell, and we were having the biggest laugh about me signing up for ornithology <laughs> because when I I was like screaming, like, I'm not touching that pelican, like, no way, like, it's going to eat me. Um, so, yeah, that there's actual footage of me trying to catch my first pelican in the aviary it wasn't hard I just had to go pick it up but uh, no no and she's in the background filming she's like just do it just do it just get it and I was like that's not training that's not helping and um yeah so I got that pelican and then when I went to like uh put it down to release it I just like threw it <laughs> and the pelican's fine just so over all you little keyboard warriors out there the pelican was fine I wasn't I've been mentally scarred ever since. And, um, but uh, then obviously over time, I had no choice. I had to handle these animals and I got just used to the fact of handling birds and then they just became so much more, I won't say so much more interesting in turtles. I think that I learned and I delved into the turtle world so deeply that I learned so much so fast and they just made sense to me, sea turtles. So uh, they still do. They, you know, everything about them just in my brain makes sense. Their anatomy, their behavior, what they eat, what they don't eat, where they go. And um, so I think the bird side of things was just such a challenge. And I loved it. I loved learning something that I just had no idea about. I didn't know if I was going to get my eyes guys um, gouged out. And that was really exciting to me. And now my hands are absolutely torn apart and scarred from all these birds and yeah so that's kind of where that kind of went but it's pretty funny because pelicans don't hurt at all and they were the ones that I was scared of the most so. how huge I would definitely think yeah. they would damage I was like oh. <laughs> they I think they're just really intimidating as well because of their sheer size but you know we you look at these animals and you think they're going to be uh you know really heavy but they're just a big bunch of feathers and air sacs so they only like an adult male only weighs about seven to eight kilos so and you know we're not always handling adult males we're usually handling around the four to six kilo females as well so um yeah yeah interesting turn of events and I never thought never in my life thought that I would want to research birds but you know I'm in my 30s and they say that birding and you know twitching and stuff creeps up on you really fast and it sure has and I still feel like I'm in my 20s but I'm not I'm getting old and what gave you all the scars and it wasn't pelicans oh half of them are pelicans but oh. they've just like so uh pelicans they don't hurt when they bite but if they scratch and you don't um oh. flush it out it can just do that bacteria build up. And that's when I was so hopeless. I was like, oh, no, I'll get to it later. It's all good. I don't need to, I don't need to wash it out. It's fine. I'm, I'm tough. 
Um, and then, of course, all the other birds like shearwaters and stuff like that with and cormorants with the hook on the end of the beak, they just latch in. I am so grateful that, you know, we always, always, of course, wore PPE. Okay. And, <laughs> and I actually have never been bitten without a glove by an Australasian gannet, which would have torn my hands apart pretty bad. So I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, no, I definitely relate to the... Um cut from koalas or my arms people are just like oh my god like what kind of clean them properly gone home and thought they'd be okay yeah she'll be she'll be sweet she'll be right I think that's an attitude I really shouldn't have (laughs) but um I think one of the scariest bites I ever got wasn't from I've been bitten by one turtle a thousand birds and um I had the special sea snake gloves on and I, I was getting bitten by a sea snake on the glove and that you know they're highly venomous and I just remember Kelsey was just laughing at me and like crying of laughter and I'm there going I'm gonna die I'm gonna die I'm gonna die and it's like the, this animal cannot penetrate through that glove <laughs> and my, it was chewing as well this this sea snake it was having a go away it was really like I'm gonna get it and I was like that's it I'm dead this is how I die this is how I go um but yeah so that was the that was probably the only time I ever <laughs> was actually scared that would have been very scary thank god you've done, <laughs> yeah you've done pretty well to only be bitten by one turtle though I think considering how many you've handled I it was actually a huge flex <laughs> for ages <laughs> that I hadn't been bitten by a sea turtle I was like I was like, oh, you guys are rookies, like as if I'd ever get bitten. And then I was, I uh, had my hand in the tank trying to get the attention of another turtle, and I didn't see a hawk. It wasn't just a turtle; it was a hawk's bill, and it was a bigger hawk's bill. And she just, oh no, it was well, we don't know if it was boy or a girl, but we called it Otter, and he just latched on. And I was like, that doesn't feel good, doll. So <laughs> a little bit too cocky, maybe. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Overconfidence, overconfidence. <laughs> don't, don't let it happen. You'll get bitten. <laughs> Um, yeah, just touching on you heading back to uni and that sort of process, um, we just want to touch quickly on networking and how important you thought it is, like how, how important you think it is within this industry and what tips you have for any listeners that want to try and get better at networking and try and optimise that connections and stuff. Totally. So I feel in my this is just my opinion I feel like networking is probably the number one thing you can do coming into this industry I think you know you can have everything on paper you can have all the skills you can have you, you can do it all but if you don't know someone or you don't have the ability to go up and approach someone you're going to struggle now I recognize I I'm very lucky in that my natural persona is I'm I'm not shy I'm quite confident in going up and talking to anyone and that's fine. Um, for people that are quiet and shy or reserved, that is absolutely okay to be like that and still go up to someone and mm-hmm. still make those connections. What it really comes down to is how nice you are to people. You have to be nice. And they, if don't, don't be a dick, just support people and, and love what they're doing and they'll love you back. And that's how I feel that networking is going to be um, such a good skill in, in your future career as a um, wildlife worker. And yeah, I feel like it's really helped me. 
I've made a lot of good and you know what like not only networking as part of a skill for work you meet the best people so you just you just you become friends with them all it's a community like no other and uh don't get me wrong in this community I've I've met the worst and the best I have definitely I've been told some of the worst things in the world that you could ever imagine and but on top of that like it's it's how we're doing this podcast right now like it's just a matter of reaching out and going hi this is what I'm doing and and loving what that person's doing yeah so it's for me kindness goes a long way and you'll you'll see that reciprocation when um, going forward in your career yeah definitely I feel like people always say network 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 and you don't really realize how important it is until you yeah apply for you're it in it yeah stuff like that and you're like oh well if I just knew someone it would definitely help yeah and um have that ability to work hard so mm. a lot of people say as well like the who you know thing and and, and that's true that's the whole point of networking is the getting your name out there unfortunately in this industry you have to sell yourself a little bit it's like being a personal trainer if people don't know your skills or know anything about you how 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 are you going to move forward so there's and then often people will just be like you're so lucky you're so lucky to get that role you're so lucky 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 Uh -uh. you work hard you work hard you develop your skills you network and you go and you and you make your career and you get there and you become everything that you want to be in this game so yeah no, it's such great advice and I definitely resonate a lot with that sort of term lucky like I think especially as women it's like it is quite gendered and I don't think I yeah. hear as many men in the industry referring to as lucky and I think with a lot of even when I'm posting on LinkedIn or something like that I feel like I start all of my posts with like I was so lucky to like get this opportunity it's like yeah I feel like we really need to catch ourselves saying that and really need yeah. to rephrase it like yeah very little of the time is luck really involved um like yeah it is networking and working hard and sort of yeah saying yes to lots of opportunities yeah and that oh you're so right there saying yes is going to help you a lot uh not even to say no too though a, mm. a huge a huge thing but saying yes to um going out of your comfort zone like um rescuing pelicans <laughs> it will it will uh benefit you in the long run and just touching on when you say you know it it's more so for women that get told that you're so right and like I resonate with that a lot as well that you know and I really feel like it's the time is now where we should be putting a spotlight on women in science and and that there is a revolution and if you're not ready for it and you're not ready to keep up then it's time to move on no absolutely that's an amazing little logo for the podcast but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just uh we'll cut that one out yeah <laughs> um but as a manager and you know having been in a manager role sort of speaking of gender uh, quality issues do you have any advice to other managers on mitigating gender inequality uh, within the wildlife workspaces and sort of further from that um did you have yeah what kind of gender issues did you observe um when you were in your manager role if any yeah yeah um yeah both of those questions uh, I can definitely answer the, I think as a manager, your role is not to ignore it. We wouldn't be having this conversation right now if there wasn't gender inequality. Mm-hmm. There is. And whether that is the trans community, women, men, 
fem, fem, or more feminine men, uh, there is gender inequality. So your role as a manager is to recognize that and to listen. And there is now, in my opinion, where we're at in 2023 going into 2024, there is absolutely no room to not know about it. You need to recognize it and you need to do something about it and you need to make sure that there are mitigation um, policies and procedures in your workplace to make sure everyone feels comfortable and equal and on the same level. And uh, that's my advice if you're going into a management role. Build everyone up so then you can be built up by your team. Um, in terms of my personal experience in gender inequality, it's not so much targeted as me in general. I'm just going to be very broad on this, by the way. Um, so let's bring it back to defamation again. <laughs> um, there is a very famous sea total researcher in Australia who is a male and nothing against him being a male researcher. He is brilliant. I have the utmost respect for his research, I think. Without it, we wouldn't know anything about sea turtles, basically. However, when I was um, younger, I was 24 or 25, I think, and I was really just starting to come into um, the sea turtle world. And I was really excited to meet this person. And they were like, oh, he probably won't like you because you're a girl, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I was really taken back. I was like, sorry, what? And that I'm just going to refer to this person as like Greg or something. I'm like, they're like, oh, that's just Greg. I'm like, what do you mean that's just Greg? I was like, what do you mean I'm a girl? Like, what? what? So, and you know, it's still happening to this day where it gets ignored because of brilliance by men. But I'm like, the women are brilliant. So it's never really computed in my brain um, that someone should be above someone because of their gender. So it is there and that's probably the main experience that I've had was hearing those words, oh, that's just this person, we'll just ignore it. I'm like, I don't want to ignore it. So I didn't and then there you go. That's the rest is history. But uh, yeah, so that's that's that. I hate that when people are like, oh, it's just this person's what they like. It's like, oh, boys will be boys. Like, no, oh. That's basically what I got told. Oh. Boys will be boys. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm a girl. <laughs> I'm a bitch you can put me in that stigma <laughs> yeah it would have been very jarring though like especially if you had relatively good experiences within the industry so far and sort of to be reminded that yeah that inequality really does very much exist still and there is that prejudice and it's been very jarring one of the things as well not so I, th I feel like this does resonate with women a lot as well is um I suffered from it because I started when I was so young uh, and, you know, to be, only be 32 and at this point already I was 25 or well, I was 26 when I took over as the management role with Seabird Rescue. So I, I wasn't young. 26 is not young. It is young in the world and the scheme of things. But as a worker, you are so equipped and you do have the skills and you can do it. Don't let anyone say that you're too young or too naive or you don't have the experience yet or anything like that because you do. I think that age with women, we, we get told that we're just not there yet or it gets looked at that you don't have the experience yet. Yeah, you do. So that's, that's one thing I just wanted to touch on there because it was really 
pushed on me like the ages in the ages and world and as a woman that I wasn't going to be good enough and I feel like yeah you wouldn't be in that opportunity or mm. given that opportunity if you weren't equipped like they wouldn't even have considered you if you weren't you know totally and it becomes it, it's what creates imposter syndrome mm. and you know we, we've all had that at some point in our lives most of us anyway sorry and yeah but no stuff that these chicks out here coming up and I see what they're doing. I like, I get, first and foremost, I get to see so much good stuff from uh, women from your page and I see what they're doing. I'm like, yes, I am so proud to be a part of this community. And um, I shouldn't just say women. I, I really apologize for that. I mean, the whole trans community as well. So it's all of us and I just, I, I love it. And I love what you guys are doing. And yeah, I'm really grateful to be a part of it. Oh, no, thank you so much. Yeah, we've I've spoken about it a bit before, but you were one of our very first interviews on the page. And I'd honestly been following you for so long before. So when I first made the page, I was like, I just can't wait to like message this Ollie chick to like make her like. <laughs> <laughs> So, that's, yeah. all right. that's all right well I was I'm a fan too so, <laughs> so and this and you know the conversations that we've had today if if this can just be even just a reflection on exactly what we've spoken about just women supporting women going yes I'm a fan I love what you're doing I love your work and like it's yeah and it can be a really really beautiful place like, oh, on that note like that was just I feel like that's the best ending and like best cap for what we've talked about today um I think what we've talked about has just it's just the start of this conversation and I think we still got a lot of work to go but just talking about it and putting it up on a platform for everyone to listen is such a good way to get the message across and make it more more accessible and more easy to talk about so yeah thank you for being so open today and like chatting about your experience because yeah I know a lot of people aren't as open so having someone that is so confident about it makes it a lot easier and hopefully someone else will listen to this and feel confident to talk about someone to talk about it to someone else maybe they haven't been before so yeah I feel like it'll definitely hit home for some people that they can talk about it so yeah I think it's a really important conversation thank you thank you it feels it feels good to talk about it to be honest with you so awesome well yeah thanks so much Ali and I can't wait to follow your journey and hopefully um all your pelican <laughs> yeah, yeah don't worry I'll get you guys jumping on pelicans don't you worry <laughs> one day soon oh, one like... day soon <laughs> Awesome. Thanks, Ollie. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Women in Wildlife podcast. If you liked what you heard today, give us a follow on our Instagram or Facebook to keep up to date with our latest interviews, news, and when our next episode is coming out. Bye for now.